I'm Simon Squibb, your host at the Good Luck Club. I believe luck is an ingredient that's necessary for a successful life. Whatever you're starting, building or shipping, I'm here to tell you, without luck, you're not going to make it. I've been testing my luck as an entrepreneur since I was 15 years old. I've had plenty of failures and successes. And I'm fascinated by the things I couldn't control. The moments that made my career and the ones that threatened to end it. In each episode, I'll invite a guest to share their stories about luck, the good and bad, and together we'll test my theory about luck's role. Hi guys, welcome to my Q&A with Simon Long, the founder of WeLab. He has 43 million users on his channel. He's one of the most famous fintech companies, and he's going to tell you a thing or two about how to make your business work. Simon, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. It's good to be on your show. Pleasure to have you. I always like to start off the podcast by asking this very simple question. I'd really like to understand what success means to you, Simon. I guess the success, the definition of success changes over time, right? I mean, for me, if I look back on a couple of different phases of my life, I used to be a banker. When I was a banker, I guess success for me means, for example, being a CEO of the bank. And then after a while, it just feel a little bit not very inspirational. You see the top life of being the CEO of the bank, right? And then it drastically changed when I became, when I founded WeLab, right, a, a fintech startup in Hong Kong, right? I think at the, at the early stage of a startup, um, success basically looks like still being around. The company is not bankrupted, not closed down within the next 24 months. That is, that is the definition of success for me. And then when it scales to be a little bit bigger, like where we are now seven years down the road, um, success probably looked like how do we make, create a company with impact, influence the society? How do we create something that when we are not around, people will miss us, right? So I guess it, it changes over time. And, and I think what we're looking at right now is scale and influence. So that, that's fascinating. Do, do you think when you were in the bank um, and you, you, know, you, you could have been, I know you were doing very well in the bank, you could have been a CEO of the bank. When did it change? Was, was there a, a light bulb moment or was it a gradual thing? How did it, when did that stop being appealing? Mm. That, that started to be not so appealing for, I, I remember a couple of inflection points, right? I think the first one is when I got to know the CEO better, work with them a little bit more, looking at their life, right? Looking at the pain they have to go through and it started to be not so appealing. I think that's the first one, right? just by just by being closer to the, to the, the real character. I think the second part is, when I was, uh, so in between, I, I took a year of sabbatical where I went to study at uh, my business school, right, in the U.S., and I see uh, fintech startups and that scene, right, that by comparison, right, that creates a, an environment for me where I can see my impact, empowerment a lot more. So that by that contrast, being a small uh, little little piece of, uh, a little screw in a large machine versus being uh, the person who's empowered to make a change, in a much smaller organization, of course, at the beginning, right? So I think just being closer to the person and also being, having that comparison uh, sort of changed my, my, my definition of success and has driven me to, to pursue a path of entrepreneurship. You highlight something that I think is quite interesting to, to talk about for a second. I always preach that it's good to have a mentor because that mentor can teach you something. I think partly the insight you've given there is that sometimes a mentor can also teach you what you don't want to be. So you can go, you can go, you can go be with the CEO of a bank, and you know your image of that job is it's this glamorous, amazing thing. And then when you actually, when you actually get there, you actually see their lives. It's kind of like reverse mentorship in a way. You realize that it's not for you, right? 
Yeah, exactly. I think in, in fact, exactly the, the my, my my mentor is actually the CEO of the bank today. Right. So I actually through her and saying whether I want to be uh, or live that life, right? Yeah. Or I want to be, work in a small organization where I have full autonomy to do what I need to do, right? Wow, that's and, amazing. And, and, that's still yeah, your mentor. And, that's amazing. And then you really need to you really need to see whether it's, it's something that you want to do, right? I mean, because it's also quite interesting. We fast forward to seven years later today, right? We actually own a bank. Uh, in Hong Kong, uh, Digital Bank in Hong Kong, uh, the WeLab Bank, right? Um, and I've actually choose not to be the CEO of the bank. So I actually hired someone else to be CEO of the bank because right. I still remember the lesson I learned. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I mean, it might be for, for someone else, it's the ideal job, it's the, it's the dream job. So it's not necessarily the job's a bad job, right? It's just that you know yourself and know that's not the life you want, right? It, it's also um, be open-minded to alternate career path. Um, because I think I get asked a lot by a lot of my ex-colleagues, right, saying, how come you quit a banking job uh, where it's a job where you can get, get uh, a lot of positional power, good pay, brand, a nice name card and travel and business cards class. And then you choose a life where you have no money, no brand, nothing. You start from scratch in a dingy little uh, office in, in Shanghuan, right? So I, I, it's, it's a different lifestyle, it's a different life choice. And that choice can, can open up to quite uh, a limited adventure and upside. That's how I, I saw it at that time. What you're partly talking about there, I think for our audience to also understand, is the perception of what you're doing. So, you know, you, the way maybe someone will ask you is, why would you leave this glamorous job with a fantastic brand and all the infrastructure you could ever want for a, like you described, a dingy office in Shenwan? But I think as entrepreneurs, what we, we don't see it as a dingy office in Shenwan, we see it oh, as freedom, okay. right? We see it as freedom yes. to put a table to the table in our office if we want, which is what you did, and and I beat you at table tennis. <laughs> you know that that yes. kind of like you have the freedom. It's the freedom piece, isn't it? It's the freedom piece that inspires you to not care about the status things, right? Yeah. But were you always like that? Were you always like that? I mean, did you always not care about status, or was it this one year off that you had that changed everything, or do you feel like you were I that think... anyway? You're right. I, I think that the one year off really, uh, the one year sabbatical that year that I'm not in a banking job actually did the trick. The reason why is when you're in, in the spur of the moment, when you're in the job itself, right, it's very hard to give it up. But when I was in, during that year of sabbatical, I was living the life of a, of a student, a very frugal life, uh, no luxury. You, you, you live your life in a budget of a student. So when I had to choose to become an entrepreneur after living a whole year as a life of a student, the, the delta, the difference in lifestyle and everything is actually not very big, right? In a student, as a student, you don't give out name cards, you don't travel on business class, you just eat like burritos every day and stuff like that, right? But but in you are still a banker, it's probably, you feel the impact quite obviously. If I rewind back, right, the last seven years of all the bankers have talked to me saying they want to join a startup, right? I think uh, in the past, most of the conversation actually failed at the point where we say, okay, but you don't have, you don't get this, you don't get that, you don't get this anymore. Are you okay with that, right? Mm. Is your family okay with that? Mm. I think that is, the, that is the moment of truth for them, mm. whether they are willing to make that change, right? But there are people, having said that, there are people who are perfectly okay with that. Yep. There are people who used to have drivers and sit in a nice corner office, but they were not honest, they just sit in the open floor space. They're perfectly okay just as happening. So there are people who can make that change. Mm. Yeah, you, you make me reflect on my own journey. I think that one thing, I, I came from quite a wealthy family and, and, you know, they lost all their money. And what I realized through that process was that it wasn't money that made us happy. 
And I think that there's kind of a similar thing in business sometimes. It's not the business card or the fancy office that actually gives you the satisfaction in any job. It's the purpose of the business and, and being, frankly, in control, right? I mean, having uh, control Absolutely. over your own and destiny. I, I, Absolutely. And I think, I think you got this word very, very satisfaction from it. Mm. Satisfaction that has just, just drive uh, entrepreneurs to do uh, amazing things and also endure uh, amazing pains as well. Mm. When, when, you, when you look back at your career, this, this one year sabbatical, that sounds like a, you were lucky to be able to do that. Uh, how, how, I'd love to advise our listeners to take a year out if they're in a job today and they don't like it to take a year out and reflect. But you know, not everyone can do that. So I'm, I'm interested in you know any examples of good luck has played a, a role in your life or even bad luck, and, and, and talk a little bit about how the sabbatical came about. Yeah, I think the sabbatical came about is, is pure luck as well. Um, I was actually not not looking at uh, pursuing a further education. I think at that time. Uh, I was dating this girl uh, from Taiwan, and she uh, went to Stanford to do her MBA. And I, I sent her to Stanford uh, in the nice Californian weather on her initial trip, right, landing there. And I thought, oh, it's such a nice weather. And if I, if, if, if we have to be away from each other for two years, I think it will be very hard for us to sustain a long-distance relationship. So that's why I've decided that I will take a year off at her second year to spend time with her. That's when I. That's when. That's the first time it hit me to do a, 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 a second degree, and, and and that's what I did. And and so it's completely out of the blue. Uh, it's purely driven by uh, this romance, <laughs> this relationship, and it's not. It's not. I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't actually looking at uh, studying at the time, but I, of course I had a lot of fun. It's it's eye opening, and, and and it allowed me to to really reflect and change the course of my career. You you're not together today, right? Sorry? This lady from Taiwan, you, uh, what happened? It's my wife now. Your wife now, <laughs> good. Then, because I, I want to credit her. I, I, want, I want to credit this person with you know, making the success you are today. Because I often say that your partner is your most important, your life partner is your most yeah. important business partner, actually, right? So that's a good example Absolutely. right there. There's someone that's completely inspired you from beginning to end. And so that's, that's amazing. But I'm glad, otherwise it's going to get awkward quick. Uh, where you'd be like, yes, I have to credit that person who I'm no longer with for uh, making me the success I am today. So it's good that you're you're married to that person. That's wonderful. But do you do you but, see but, the luck? How, please, please tell me how, what you think about luck. Oh yeah, I think I think I think I think luck to me in in my in, in this in entrepreneurship, right? It's it's about a couple of things, right? Number one is about timing. About timing, right? Um, I think we were lucky because we started WeLab, um, if you recall, seven years ago, when there's actually not much of a fintech thing going on in, in the world. It's a very new subject, especially in Asia. I remember when I went to my boss at that time and said, I'm going to start a fintech company. She said, oh, uh, he said, oh, I don't know what's a fintech company. If you lose your job, if you come back, we'll give you another job, right? But now if you fast forward today, every bank claims themselves to be a tech company or fintech company, right? So it's about timing, about timing uh, at the right time to do the right thing. And that's also important because if I were to start exactly the same thing today, seven years later, I don't think it will ever work. I don't think it will work at all. So it's about time. I think the second thing, if I reflect back, right, it's also about <clears throat> taking the risk, taking a risk on this, um, whether you're willing to give up something in order to get something else, right? And I, I was willing to, to do that. I think the, the last part of it is if I reflect back about uh, the the, the, the growth of the company, a big part of it is attributed to us going to China 
uh, when we saw that there's an opportunity for us to bring in our risk management technology into China uh, to, to try something different, right? So I think, and, and, and that actually propelled us to where we are today with around 43 million users. If we had stayed in Hong Kong, I don't think we'd be able to have that uh, kind of market, right? I think it's also um, the last part of the good luck, right? Was a little bit about the, 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 the judgment. I think we had to, we, we, we called the right shot at that time was, a lot of it was because of our prior background in that industry. So we're not starting like a, we're not a bunch of bankers trying to start a gaming company or, or a bunch of architects who try to open up a coffee shop. We're actually in the same domain expertise that allow us to make better judgment calls. So it's about timing, taking a risk and the judgment call with the relevant background. I think the relevant background piece is, is something quite interesting. I mean, what do you think when you see someone like Elon Musk doing space travel? I mean, he has no background in space travel. What, what do you think when you see that? It's an interesting thing. Like, like, for example, I think your experience now as an entrepreneur is so transferable. You, you had the skill set in financial technology. I guess what I think here is maybe it's useful for the listeners is you can take your first entrepreneurial journey can be linked to your present or past business experience. But once you've got this entrepreneurial talent you can transfer it into anything right is, is am, am i right in that do you think that's true i i think that's true because if you look at let's, let's say elon, elon musk case right i think he is obviously a very creative and very resourceful person and i think that is some of the essential quality that allowed him to to excel in entrepreneurship across different disciplines and i'm sure he has hired very very good like uh, space scientists, uh, uh, to, in order to achieve that, I'm sure he's not the same guy. He's not designing the rocket at the same time designing the, the, the Tesla car as well, right? So, so it's, it's, I think it's about the concept, the skill set, that resourcefulness that allow him to, 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 to scale across different disciplines. And of course, the network he has built, the ability to fundraise and, and all these things that allow him to be able to uh, get the right uh, set of investors. So was there a big break for you in your business? Do you, can you pinpoint any particular moments that were the, the break? Mm -hmm. You mentioned fundraising, it's what... fascinating. Please go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there are a couple of big breaks. Um, so of course, I think, I think building a successful company, it's, it's about uh, achieving a continuous set of milestones. It's not about one big break and then we make it or lose it, right? Um, I think there are a couple that is most memorable to me, right? I think one of which was obviously um, getting the banking license. Um, it was uh, mid last year. We've been in operation for around six six years or so. Um, in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority uh, introduced a digital banking license or what they call a virtual banking license. There were around 30 applicants, uh, many big uh, conglomerates applying. And um, we're actually very professional at and we're the we're the, the we are still the, the largest uh, homegrown fintech uh, company and i think we were able to position ourselves uh in the right place at the at, 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 with the right positioning to the regulators and show them that we were able to use the technology to transform financial services over time and that allowed us to build a rep, uh, the credibility with them i think that that helped us a lot in terms of getting the license and also we hired the right team and that is a very big inflection point of the company because historically we've been mostly in the lending space and the technology revolving around lending, right? This allows us to branch off and add a lot of credibility to the company. Now we're building a bank. Uh, we're very excited that uh, we probably, hopefully uh, roll it out uh, sometime this year. So I think that is a very important. Congratulations to you, Simon. You, you worked so hard to get to that point. I'm very proud when I saw that announcement of you. So it's, it's a fantastic thing. Do you, do you feel, 
in the journey of becoming an entrepreneur, you know, seven years now you've been building up your business, right? 43 million users, you're globally recognized within the fintech industry as a market leader, it's impressive. But are there moments where you thought of quitting? Actually, I, I've never thought of quitting. A lot of people ask me this. I have never for a split second thought of quitting. I feel, I feel very, very tired, but I've never thought of quitting. It's just, it's just something that I enjoy so much uh, doing. Um, I, I, and I love the company. I love the people working for me and with me together. So I've actually never, never for a split second I've thought of quitting. I've gone through a lot of ups and downs, uh, just like any good uh, entrepreneurs have. Um, but no, I've never thought of quitting or anything. Were there any moments where, I mean, I had this with, with Fluid, my agency in, in uh, China, where, you know, we had a cash flow problem or, you know, we almost, I didn't want to quit, but it, it was forced upon you. Do, do, do you have any war stories like that? Mm, I, I have been, um, I always told my team I have uh, been rejected thousands of times and thousands of disappointments and rejections. Um, what we... What you see entrepreneurs talking about on PR about success in fundraising, they didn't talk about many and thousands and thousands of times they got rejected right. because of that, right? Um, um, and uh, it, 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 it is a very humble experience. Um, and um, it, I mean, we, I can share with you a story. Um, uh, uh, as I was uh, as with fundraising, I think there was, it was last year. It was quite interesting. I, I, I still remember it was a Wednesday night. Um, right before dinner time. And then um, within the same five minutes, I got rejected by three individuals on important asks that I have. One through email, one over the phone, and one on WhatsApp. I was so discouraged. <laughs> and then it was, it was literally within five minutes, I said, what, what's going on today? How come like, everyone's rejecting me? It was right before dinner and my wife came out and said, hey, do you wanna have dinner? I said, no, I don't feel like it. Why do you guys go ahead with the kids first? So I went back to my room was mulling over it. I was so, so, so depressed, right? I said, I've been doing this for six, seven years. How come up until today, I'm still getting rejections over and over and over again, right? And then, and then as I was just thinking through some of the major rejections that I went through, it was so painful, right? And I had this interesting, I suddenly had this interesting realization. I got rejected because I was aiming high. I, will, I got rejected repeatedly. I still get rejected today. It's because we never give up on dreaming big. Imagine if I had very low expectation for myself from the company, right? I'll probably get a lot of success. I got a, a, I'll feel pretty good about myself, right? And, and, and as an entrepreneur, what you want to do is you want to aim high for yourself and for the company. So getting rejected is actually a natural path. It's a natural process. You should get rejected. In fact, I think you should, people should get rejected 50 to 80% of the times in order to, to set like aggressive targets. So I went out and had dinner with my wife. We talked about what we should do and I just completely forgotten about the, 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 the negative feeling of rejection and turned to like, how do we solve? The next day I went back and tell my team the same story. And I told them, you know what, if you feel, if one day, if you feel that you're getting yes, 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 people love you, you do all the right things, and, and, and you hit all your target, that means you're aiming too low. Wow, I love it. And, and it's totally true. And I think so many people are scared of rejection that they don't even try. And there's an element of, you know, you're taking it to a next level, you're saying, not only accept being rejected, but aim so high that the chances of rejection are even higher. 
and learn yeah. to, to resist and, and accept that. It's a really good insight. And, I, and I, I totally know it's true myself from my own experiences. I mean, I have been when I started the agency business, I remember I, I put 50 companies down on a bit of paper that I wanted to work with. I called all of them and 49 said no. <laughs> you know, and I remember that one said yes. I also had this incredible feeling of loyalty and, and, and being grateful just for the one that said yes, mm. kind of able to mitigate the 49 that said no. You know, that, yeah. that, that, and then converting those 49 into yeses over time. I'm sure you have that feeling. Those three people that night, I bet, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, you still, uh, you're not giving up. Whatever, you know, the rejection was, they're still on the radar and, and maybe the timing yeah. wasn't right for them or uh, the timing uh, it wasn't right for the deal. So, but it's a, it's a really good realization and a really useful insight. Do you, do you think that there's a way to give that resilience to people or do you think it's, there's no choice but to go through the pain like we both have? Mm, I think it's difficult to, to find a shortcut for that. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you why, right? Because um, even until today, it's painful for me. I'm not saying that when I get rejected, I'm perfectly okay with it. Now, of course, with a different scale of the company, when you get a few more yeses, it balances out the no's, right? So I think that over time, you learn that. Over time, you, you learn that, okay, one rejection, you're not going to bankrupt the company with one rejection. You'll always find a way. You'll always find the next opportunity. You never give up. I think that's something that you learn. But you never be, I think, no matter how many times someone tell you story, war stories like this, you'll never be able to take away the pain, but it's, hopefully it should be able to encourage the person to endure the pain and, and aim for the next challenge and hopefully meet that. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's an interesting reverse angle on this. I remember when uh, my first ever personal assistant, uh, Christy Tong, if you're out there, Christy, hello. Uh, I, I remember um, she worked with me solidly for three years, every day, seven days a week for three years, and then she quit. And I cried. <laughs> I, I, I was so, so upset. And, you know, I took it as rejection. This is kind of when your staff leave you, you know, like, why are you leaving me? You know, why, why, and, and so it's not just, you no know, clients saying no or investors saying no. There's also an internal piece, isn't there? That's, yeah. I don't know if you've, you've been through that yourself. You know, convincing people to come and work for you is one thing. And then they say no. And then when they quit, when they're working for you. I know Bloomberg, for example, um, it might be the reason he's not going to be president, but Bloomberg used to always say that anyone that quits his organization, he'd never go to their leaving party. Why would he celebrate them leaving his family? You know, he doesn't like, he doesn't, he doesn't celebrate that. He, uh, he rejects <laughs> it. So it's, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Do you, how do you, um, how do you approach that, that stuff with, with your team? We, we obviously, obviously over the years, right? I mean, we, we, we talk about it, the, the journey is like a train, right? Some people hop on the train at different points, different stops. Some people get off early. Right, it's like it's like a train, right? And and um, we obviously had uh, important staff or senior staff. We had one of the co-founder, the CTO of the company, who left us um, pretty early on, like uh, in in terms of year two, year three of the company. And at that time, it just I was, I was just devastated because we I thought that we'll go through this together. He's a technical co-founder, um, is responsible for everything, and and I had, I had to find a way to overcome that that piece. And we, I think probably we're in the middle of fundraising, as we have always have always been fundraising all the time right it's painful and 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 but if you look back right uh, we're always able to find a way to go past that period find a better candidate find a better person and take the company to the next next level but then um i still remember every year at the company anniversary 
we always thank the staff who are here who contributed and we always thank those who left us because without them we would not be here today i mean we, we, we're grateful that they join us even though it was a shorter journey but they, they every one of them did contribute we would not be here without those two that's a really nice idea, actually. I think that's a, a good tip. I, I didn't do it, actually, but it's a good tip, which is to even say thank you to the people that have left um, you know, years later. That's a really interesting idea. I think it can, that's very good karma and actually very true. Even though they left early, it doesn't mean to say they didn't make a contribution. And yeah, kind of- exactly. We're always grateful. Even though they were probably not there, we were always grateful they contributed. Yeah, it's I I, st I still I mean that, that they have been my most painful moments when people because you become family as well right it's like they're leaving your family you get very close to people mm -hmm. and I think that's really hard to to let go and I bet you spent quite a lot of time trying to convince your CTO to stay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then what that's do you right, think about right. hindsight? Do you do you, I know the, the the cliche is you say well you know life was better and it was meant to happen it was fate. Do you feel that these things when things changes happen like that is it true or is it more like Sounds good, but in reality, finding a good CTO is not that easy. <laughs> no, is it? It, it, it is not easy, and and it's you just have to accept it. It's not a choice, right? It's not a choice. If it's if it were a choice, and you were said no, please stay, right? It's not your choice. It's someone else's choice, right? Um, but it is also your choice to move forward, to move on, to find another CTO, find someone else to replace it, and and, and build a bigger and better company. Right? I, I was always fascinated why people left. What, what, you know, what did we do wrong? Is it you know, that type of question? Did you, did you, do you have that reflection? Is there, is there something you could have done to kept, keep your CTO, for example? Was it something you, you improved on later? Or, or what was the learning? I think the learning has always been, it, it, people usually make these decisions because of a life choice, a different lifestyle. Right. I mean, we haven't had a lot of people leaving because they disappear with the direction of the company mm. I mean, because we've been pretty consistent since day one. But, uh, but we've, we have had people leaving because of life choice. There are people, for example, the CTO left at that time because the family is uh, in Singapore and cannot be commuting between Hong Kong and Singapore continuously right. any longer. And at that time, we're, uh, we're uh, entering into China. He doesn't speak Chinese. Right. Um, we have people who, because they're getting married or because they're having, uh, or because they're moving to another, a different country, right? Different life choices at the end. I mean, as a company or as a CEO, I have a choice as well. I can keep on begging that person to stay. I can keep on saying, please don't go. I offer you this, offer them, offer you that. I'm, I'm sure that person, they don't want to go as well. But because there's something else more important in their lives that they have to make that tough decision themselves too, right? Mm. And we always say, well, sometimes love is letting go. You love that person, you know that there are more important things in their lives. They need to, for example, move to a different country to reunite their family, right? Don't make it difficult for that person. If you know that that's the right thing to do, sometimes love is letting go. I think there's a lear lear lesson there for people that are starting out. I think what you just said is so true. That I, I, but when I was younger, I did try to convince people to stay and, and do what you just said, which is offer, offer more. But then you know, as I evolved as an entrepreneur, as, as you have evolved, I think we realized, yeah, you just got to let people go. And like you say, if you love them, let them go. And uh, got, you know, hopefully, but sometimes there's also an element you've got to convince people why to stay. There is a there is a little bit of pushback because sometimes they they're making the, the wrong choice. But then again, it's their life, right? Well, look, when we're yeah. wrapping up the podcast. I, I could talk to you forever, Simon. You you've got, you've got so much knowledge, so much experience. I could just go on forever. But um, wrapping this up, I, I really want to uh, you know wrap up po this podcast with one simple question. If you went back to your younger self, what age would you uh, go back to, and what would you say? Mm. 
I think、um, I would go back to right after university when I start my first job. I will encourage myself to try something different. Don't don't go into banking, by the way.、Um, and and the second piece of advice I would give myself、um, is it, it, I would tell myself the same story that I, I told you earlier about rejection, about embracing rejection and disappointments.、Uh, I, I think I think I think especially when when. When anyone is young, right, and when any anyone is young, you see everything as a every choice,、uh, every rejection as an important battle that you've lost, but you didn't know that there are actually many, many more that you will go through. And 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 the higher you aim, the more rejections you get. Fantastic, Simon. I'm going to wrap up the podcast with a few things that I've taken from your insights today. I think first and foremost, the last thing you just mentioned, which. Is embrace rejection. I I'm going to put that into a、uh, into a, a big large graphic that I'm going to put on social media because I think embracing rejection is a really good insight and something people need to do more. I I like the point you've made in the podcast today about for,、uh, leveraging your domain experience. I think a lot of people jump into something that doesn't have any relevance to what their past experience was, especially the first-time entrepreneurs. But I think leveraging your past experience, as you did, is, can really pay off. And then you can learn to be an entrepreneur over time. But you've got your、uh, domain experience to to give you an edge, I think, in that space. So that's great advice. I I think the point about luck for you, which is luck is timing, is a fascinating one. I'd love to discuss with you in another session a little bit about like luck outside of your control, like the coronavirus, like now. This is out of your control, luck.、Um, but the timing piece would still be relevant, I think. You know, what can you do during this time to stay to stay relevant? And so, I, I I want to thank you, Simon, for your time. I really appreciate your insights. We'll jump over to YouTube now and do a quick、uh, Q and A. Got some questions from the audience about、um, your your experience, and and they, they want to they want them answered. So we'll jump over to YouTube now and do that. But thank you for your time on the on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for listening to the Good Luck Club podcast. We know you have thousands of podcasts you could be listening to, and you've chosen us. We, of course, feel lucky. If you want to hear more, please go to thegoodluckpod.com or go to any of our social media pages and share with us your views, your insights, and any way that we can improve what we're doing to make it a better experience for you. We wish you the best of luck.